Hey there, this is Michael Burris. I'm the lead pastor of Summit View Church in Irving, Kentucky, and this is our podcast. I hope this podcast encourages you, I hope it inspires you, and I hope it helps you to start seeing your life from God's perspective. Thanks for joining us today. Now enjoy the message. We are uh, currently in a series called When Pigs Fly. When Pigs Fly, and I'm so excited to see each of you today, whether you're sitting here in person or you're listening online later. We're in this series for the month of June, and we're talking all about the miraculous power of God, um, miracles, and, and what they mean for us, what they mean in us. Um, I'm sure you guys have heard this phrase before, right, when, when pigs fly. Um, if you aren't sure what that phrase means, it's kind of like a sarcastic remark to um, that means something is not going to happen. So like, uh, is Pastor Michael going to play volleyball again this season? When pigs fly, you know, he's got a brace on his ankle and a torn, I found out it's a torn ligament and I chipped my ankle bone and fat boy don't jump anymore, you know what I mean? Y'all be careful. And then they're like, volleyball or softball starting in a couple weeks. You, you answer, absolutely not. I'm just saying, the, the, ortho, the ortho told me this is the kind of injury that ends pro athlete seasons for the year. And so I'm just saying, if you make the connection, right, I'll let you finish it for yourself, Pastor Michael. Pastor extraordinaire or volleyball extraordinaire, you just... Or maybe neither. Uh, hello, welcome to some of you. Um, but we are um, excited. We're going to be talking about miracles for the rest of the month. And I think our, our current culture has really diluted the, what a miracle is, what miracles, miracles are all about. When we, um, when we talk about miracles, like we love to try to find them every day in our lives, right? So let me tell you again, just real quick, what is, what is not a miracle? It's not a miracle when you pull up to the mall and you find that perfect parking spot, right? No, that means that the lady just left Dillard's at the exact right time and you just happen to have a spot right there. Now, if you were to pull into the parking lot and all of the cars parted like the Red Sea, oh yeah, absolutely, miracle. Please take video of it because I'd love to see it go viral. But a miracle is strictly when, when God intervenes in a situation around us. And in the series, I'm hoping to build your faith and cause you to believe God for greater things. I think that's my call for this month, this summer, is to really build your faith that you can believe God for the impossible. And the problem is that with many of us, we believe that God can do miracles. We just don't believe that God will do it for us. We believe, yeah, he's got all the power. He can if he wants, but he might do it for Jim, but he would never do it for me. Our series verse uh, this month comes out of Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 21. If you guys want to read with me, it's on the screens behind me. It's also in um, your message notes. You can find all, this, all the mess, uh, scriptures there today as well. Read this with me, Deuteronomy 10. Deuteronomy 10. Got too many of those as it is. He alone is your God, the one who is worthy of your praise, the one who has done these mighty miracles that you have seen with your own eyes. Last week we talked about the meaning of a miracle. What does God, why does God perform miracles? What is the point of God performing miracles? If you guys didn't listen to that, I encourage you to go back to the podcast and give it a listen. But this week we're going to be talking about something that's really often delivered as uh, dark creepy, sometimes over the top 
Today we're talking about miracles of deliverance. And it's not like, not that kind of deliverance, but miracles of deliverance. We'll, we'll get into that in a second. When God does miracles over the forces and the powers of darkness, when God does miracles using his power over demonic forces, some of you might right off the bat say, okay, this is about to get weird. Let me, it's not going to get weird. But you might even say, I'm not sure if I believe in demons at all or forces of darkness or whatever uh, you might be talking about. Somebody quoted this. I don't know who it was, but, but this is a, a great statement. They said this, that the greatest trick that the devil, devil ever pulled was convincing the world that he didn't exist. Greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world that he didn't exist. One of the greatest lies of our spiritual enemy is that he's not a force fighting against us in the kingdom of God. That's one of his greatest lies. But Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, we can see this, that it says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. That means that you're not fighting against your boss. You're not fighting against your mother-in-law. I have a great mother-in-law. She's here today. So, of course, I'm going to say it. I've got a great mother-in-law. But you're not fighting against your boss. You're not fighting against your mother-in-law. You're not fighting against um, the person that keeps arguing with you on Facebook. No, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Guys, Christianity is not a playground. Christianity is a, ba a battleground. The natural um, world that we see is not all that there is to it. There is a very real spiritual world There's a, that, that has angels and demons. And, and you know what? They're warring over you. That there, is a, there are dark forces that want nothing more than to destroy your life. So what is a demon? If we're talking about this, you're like, what is a, what is a demon? Many, many people believe that, that, that it's just like a, a demon is like a spirit of the dead person, like the, the mean Uncle Jim. He sure was a hellraiser, so he's a, he was a demon. You know what I mean? You got an uncle like that. No, that's not a demon. If you want to, if you really want to understand, um, you can do some study and research on your own. Many theologians bring the understanding of demons out of the book of Isaiah chapter 14 and out of Revelation chapter 12. That's where we find most of um, our, our uh, subject of, of demons and, and who they are. But uh, I'll break it down real fast for you. Isaiah chapter 14, this angel named Lucifer... Um, who would eventually become Satan, the devil. This angel named Lucifer, I don't know if you knew that or not, he was actually created as an angel to serve God. He was the lead worshiper um, in heaven. He like had uh, instruments built into his vocal pipes and all this crazy stuff. Read it for yourself. It's wild. If you tried to draw it, it'd be crazy. But Lucifer stood up and he made these five what he called I will statements to God. And I'm not going to go through all of them, but they're all to the point of, I will be like God, or I, am, I will ascend to the highest. Basically, uh, Lucifer tried to, tried to usurp God's authority, and God cast Lucifer, this worshiping creature who becomes competitive with God. He cast him out of heaven. And, and Lucifer would then take one-third of the angels with him. One-third of the angels in heaven, he'd take them with him. And according to Isaiah 14, Revelation chapter 12, most Bible scholars would say that demons 
are the fallen angels that left heaven with Lucifer when God cast him out. The good thing there is that if you see that one-third left with Satan, that means that we have two-thirds that are still fighting on our behalf. Like, he's still out, outnumbered. But you, had, you have, when you think about it, you have one devil, you have one Satan, but many demons, okay? One devil, many demons. And so what an angel is to God, a demon is to the devil, and demons do the work of our spiritual enemy, right, in the, in the dark realms, trying to take people away from the kingdom of God. And a couple ways that we get it wrong in the church when, we, when it comes to talking about the darkness, the, the kingdom of darkness, forces of darkness, one of, one of two things we do here. Either, either one, we, we overemphasize demonic influence, like, like there's not a demon under every single rock. Uh, you, don't, you, you aren't broke because of the devil. You're broke because you just bought three outfits. You just brought, bought that, that purse. You just went on vacation and spent all your money at the beach. That's why you're broke. It's not because of the devil. There, not every problem is caused because of, of demons. The, the hole in your tire was not the, the tire demon. It was the nail that you ran over, okay? I can make a test of that. I've had four the past, like, two years. I had four stinking flat tires. Y'all pray for me. I hate these stupid things. Uh, but the devil, um, <laughs> let, me, let me tell you this. You, you need to hear this, okay? I need to hear this. The devil didn't make you eat the whole thing, okay? It wasn't the devil. It wasn't. I promise. But that, we, we either overemphasize demonic influence or, on the other hand, we underemphasize the, the, the demonic influence. That means, so like not every problem is demonically influenced, but more problems than we realize are caused by the forces of darkness. They are caused by the demonic realm. So what do demons do? If we look at, look at them, what do demons do? First, uh, demons tempt you to sin. They tempt you to sin. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 26, it, it says, and, and, they, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Demons tempt you to sin. What do they do? They sit there. They say, you deserve that. Watch it. I don't know if they talk like that. They probably don't. I'll just <laughs> watch it. Touch it. Smoke it, drink it, shoot it, take it. You're not going to get caught. It's not a big deal. You're not hurting anybody. Everybody else does it. They tempt you to sin. And what they'll do is it's funny because they'll minimize sin on the front end. It, like, it's, it's no big deal. If you do this, it's no big deal. You're not hurting anybody. But then they'll, after you sin, they maximize the results. So they'll say things like, God will never love you. You've ruined your life. You should be so ashamed of yourself. They minimize it on the front end, but after you've done it, they maximize it. They say, you've got no more hope. On, so, so demons will tempt you to sin. B, demons distract you from God's will. They're there, they're, their purpose is to distract you from God's will. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 says this, The Spirit clearly says that in the later times, some will abandon the faith... Listen, following deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Guys, there's a deception that they're trying to bring to this world. And here's one of them. There's a big one that says all roads lead to God. 
All roads lead to God. You, you, you just kind of take a melting pot. Take a mix of, of whatever you want. A little Buddhism here. A little New Age right here. A little, you can sprinkle in some Christianity. You might even sprinkle in a little bit of, of witchcraft. Just make this melting pot of all the things that you can sprinkle in and take the best out of all of them. All roads lead to God. There's a deception that's happening that the demonic realm is influencing in the earth today. Let me tell you, there's only one road that leads to God. And his name is Jesus. You don't have to be perfect, but you just got to know him. Then, and then next, demons, they inflict suffering. They inflict suffering. There's this terribly sad story to me that's found in Matthew chapter 17, verse 15 and 18. It says this. Um, so let me tell you what, kind of what's going on here. Is this, this boy is possessed, like this demon has possessed this boy. And um, the father runs to Jesus and he says, please do something about it. He says, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and he's, and he's suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. And then Jesus rebuked the demon. It came out of the boy and he was healed at that moment. Demons try to tempt you with sin. They try to distract you from God's will, and they, and they inflict suffering in your life. That's what they're meant to do. But what do we know about Jesus? We know that Jesus came to give us abundant life. He came to set the captives free. He came to serve and not be served. He came to give his life for the ransom of many. Not, he didn't come for the well. He didn't come for the perfect. He came for the broken and the hopeless and the hurt and the sick. He didn't come for those that had it all together. He came for the broken and the hurting. Jesus came to set people free. See, Satan's mission is to steal, to kill, and to destroy and now demons, they, they, have, they can have influence over your life in the ways maybe it's depression, suicidal thoughts, feelings of desperation. These are all influenced by them. They can destroy your marriage. They can ruin your testimony. They can wreck your finances, not because you went on vacation, but they can steal your joy. They obliterate your health, and they can crush your children. They want nothing more than to do all of that. And guys, this isn't a game that we get to play. It's not a playground. It's not the little red guy with horns running around with a little pitchfork like in the cartoon. This is a very real, very, um, a very real devil and, and, and forces of darkness. And all that the devil wants to do is whatever he can do to destroy what matters to God. And listen, nothing matters more to God than you. Nothing. You're number one on his list. He's thinking about you constantly. So what do we do? Guys, are you creeped out yet? <laughs> are you scared? <laughs> what do we do? If we recognize that we're in a spiritual battle, should we be afraid? Should we go on, on the run? No, I think there's, there's three things. There's three realizations that we need to have. Now listen, these three points are only for those who have found new life in Christ who have given their lives to Jesus and been uh, restored and made perfect from the inside out. They've been made brand new. So the, these three realizations, if you are in Christ, number one, you have the authority. You have the authority. If you are in Christ, you have miraculous authority over darkness in the name of Jesus. Miraculous authority. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 1 
says this, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. God has given you the authority to take over the forces of darkness. Imagine this, okay? Uh, there's a police officer, and he's standing in the middle of the road, and, and cars and trucks are just whizzing by, and so he, he stands in the middle of the, of the road, and he tells this car to stop. And if he's in normal clothes, he has zero semblance of authority, right? Like, you just have some crazy dude standing out there telling you to stop. They have the authority to make him mush, right? They're just running right over and over. But, let that police officer put on a uniform and, and, and hold out his badge. And now that policeman has the authority to tell that car to stop. And they have to either listen to him or they're going to end up answering to a higher power. You know what I mean? It's called the court system. But, but when he pulls that badge out, he has all the authority that he needs in order to, to enforce the law. And, and listen, you have authority you have the authority in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is your badge. It's your uniform. If you've been found in Christ, you have the authority to enforce God's rule, to enforce God's reign, and to drive out all the forces of darkness in a situation. You have the authority to do so only in the name of Jesus, though. In the name of Jesus, you can speak to the darkness, and the darkness has to retreat. There's this funny story. Um, this isn't in my notes, but it just occurred to me. There's this, there's this, I think it's kind of funny. There's this funny story in the book of Acts that there's these uh, seven sons of Sceva is their name, right? And, and so there is this demonically possessed person, and these sons of Sceva, they saw that everybody was, uh, was that, that all the apostles had come, and they were able to cast out demons, they were able to heal the sick, they were able to raise the dead, all this crazy stuff. And these boys said, well, we're going to try that. So they come up to this guy, him, or gal, I can't remember which one. And, and they said, in the name of Jesus who Paul preaches, come out of him. And the demon looked at him and said, uh, Paul I know and Jesus I know, but who, who are you? And it says he beat him, he whipped him, and he stripped him naked, and they went running back to their house. <coughs> what was the problem there? They tried, to pr they tried to do it from an authority that they didn't possess. They try to do it from, from in the authority of the Jesus that Paul preaches. But listen, you can't do it in the authority of, of grandma, of mom, of, of whoever has raised you. You have to take authority on, of your own self in the name of the Jesus that I know. And that's the only way that you're going to have the authority that God has promised you. <coughs> you have authority in the name of Jesus based on your relationship with him. Not only do you have the authority, number two, you have the power. I got the power. You have the power. I think of that. I think it's like that. Thank you. I think it's like that, uh, that Power Rangers movie from the, from the 90s. Isn't that the song they sing in the end, like, I got the power? I don't remember. It's one, it's one of those songs. You got the power. But power and authority... They sound similar, right? But they, they work hand in hand with each other, but they are different. Power and authority. So you can have all of the power and none of the authority and it's meaningless. Or you can have all of the authority and none of the power and nothing ever gets done. 
Authority is the right to give orders, to make decisions, to enforce obedience. Power is the ability to do so. So you have the right and you have the ability. In the name of Jesus, God has given you both power and authority. So not only have you been given authority to perform mighty things in the name of Jesus, you've been given his power to do it with. His power, not our own, his power. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says this, Jesus tells his disciples, he said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Guys, you've received power in the form of the Holy Spirit. If you are found in Christ, the moment that you give your life to Christ, that you put your faith in him, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within you. And with that comes the power of God. You have God living in your own body. The Holy Spirit comes and inhabits you, and he loans you his power in order to do miraculous things. But it's not, it's not our own power It's God's power. If it was our power, we could boast about it. We could say, look at what I can do. But it's not like that. We have the power of God that he's loaned to us, though. And he wants us to do something with it. You have the power of God living inside of you. And God wants you to use that power to go across the earth and to testify of him, to be his witnesses around the world. You have the power to destroy the kingdom and the works of hell on this earth. And you have power to take ground for the kingdom of God. You have the authority, you have the power, and you're never powerless. You may, you may be in a situation right now where you feel so powerless. You feel like there's nothing that you can do, but you are never powerless. Because the king of the universe lives within you. And it's his power that he gives you to overcome these situations. The Bible says that we are more than a conqueror through Christ We are more than a conqueror through Christ. There is no weapon that is formed against us that has the power to conquer us. As long as you wield the authority and the power that Jesus has given you. And then finally, number three, you have the power, you have the authority. Number three, you have the responsibility. You have the responsibility. So Jesus' final words before returning to heaven, see, there's a, Jesus sits right now at the right hand of our Father God, and he's in heaven, he's waiting for the day to come back. But before he left, he turned to his disciples and he said this, we call this uh, the Great Commission. This is, our, this is our mission statement as a Christian. But Jesus said this in Matthew, or excuse me, in Mark chapter 16. He said to them, go into all the world... And preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. And whoever does not believe will be condemned. Listen. And these signs will accompany those who believe. This is Jesus' great commission. He says, go out and get people saved. Get them baptized. And these signs should accompany you. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. We've made a little bit much of some of those, okay? Let's just read it for what it is. They're driving out demons. They're speaking new tongues. They pick up snakes with their hands. When they drink deadly poison, it won't hurt them at all. Listen, they will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. You have all the responsibility because Jesus has asked you to do it. 
to drive out demons, to drive out the forces of darkness in the places that you walk, to lay hands on sick and the sick would recover, not because of my power, not because of my authority, but because of what Jesus has given to me. He's entrusted me with it, and he's entrusted you with it. And then he gave you a mission. He gave you a responsibility. And as a child of God, you have the responsibility to be God's hands and feet in the earth. You are how God chooses to work. You are how God chooses to take ground. Sure, he could have used some other means, but he didn't. He chose you. How heartbreaking would it be to have the solution to someone's problem, but never to offer it to them? How heartbreaking would it be to have discovered the cure for cancer and never divulge it to anyone? Most people would call that a waste. Could you imagine that? You've you've been given the key to the cure and yet you hold it close to your chest your entire life, never letting anyone else know about it. Guys, you you have the ability to make real change, not just external surface level change, but real, supernatural, deepest level change in your world. You've been given all of the power, all of the authority, and all of the permission. Now you have the responsibility to do so. Don't run from it. Embrace it. This doesn't make you arrogant to know that you have the power of God. It doesn't make you arrogant to know that God's given you a mission. He's entrusted you with something special. As long as you don't make it about yourself. Don't run from it. Embrace it. God chose you to be a difference maker. God chose you to war on his behalf. God chose you to wear his badge and enforce his law over the kingdom of darkness. Do you have family, friends, Loved ones that need God's intervention. They're being attacked by the forces of darkness and you can do something about it. So how do we know though what is demonic and what's not? How do we know the difference? Here's easy guidelines that you can go go by. Don't assume every problem is the result of a demonic influence. But don't assume any problem isn't. Never assume that they're all problems because of demonic influence, but never assume that they're not. Because many times they are. And so I like to cover both bases. I like to cover ground on both sides. I like to work in the natural and the supernatural. We do what is natural and we fight against supernatural forces of darkness. How do we do that? If someone's battling anxiety, Tell them to go to the doctor and pray in the name of Jesus for healing. If they're suffering emotionally, tell them to go get counseling and pray for demonic deliverance. If you have a child that's rebelling, take their phone, monitor their friends, but then you claim spiritual authority over their life and protect them from the enemy. You have a loved one that's battling alcohol. Tell them to go to AA. But ask God for spiritual victory in their lives. Cover both bases.
What is darkness? Darkness is simply the absence of light. Darkness is not a mass. Darkness is the absence of light. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the light of the world that dwells within us. John chapter 1 verse 5 tells us this. The light shines in the darkness, talking about Jesus, and the darkness can never extinguish it. We have a Savior that has already overcome the darkness, that has already overcome the situation. So how do you eliminate the darkness? You bring the light. You bring the light. You bring Jesus, the light of the world, into the situation. Guys, you, have, you can have confidence in this because we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from a place of victory. We're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. We have a God who has already made a way to defeat the darkness. Well, thanks for joining us today. I pray that this message had an incredible impact on your life. If you want more information about our church, you can check us out online at summitview.online. We hope we get to see you on a Sunday very, very soon. But until then, have a great week.